Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast. We are here to discuss England. That means they are still in the tournament and perhaps people get a little bit excited. It's like three years ago, all over again, um, maybe even a little bit more. So as I've been doing these England pods, I've been working one by one through the gaggle of Wise Men Say contributors and um, the member of that gaggle is Rory Fallow this evening. You okay? The only member of that gaggle this well, evening as well. It's, it's poor. It's poor. Like, you know, the novelty shouldn't be wearing off now. <laughs> it, it, should, it should be having the opposite effect, shouldn't it? Everyone should be pumping. Everyone should be exactly. wanting to talk about exactly. this at the minute. Yeah, I think it's because everyone has slagged off Southgate that much and slagged off England that much that they don't uh, come out and own, uh, take ownership of that opinion. <laughs> so nobody in particular but if Matthew wants to uh, I was going to say name and no name if, if he wants to correct that then he's welcome to come on and uh, and talk about it after we smash Ukraine 10-0 right now <laughs> uh, uh, right good let's I tell you what let's go back to the uh, start of the game never before have I come into a tournament where I've even really thought that much about the route to the mm-hmm. final and I think that says a couple of things Mainly, I never think we're going to get there, <laughs> so I don't think it's I don't think it's relevant. Um, you know, certainly in the two thousand and tens, where you think like yeah. you know Brazil and stuff, it just didn't just didn't even cross my mind that we would make anywhere near the final. Um, so that's perhaps one thing. But just because it was a bloody group of death thing, wasn't it? And you thought it's going to be a hard game in the second round if we win the group. And, you know, all three of those teams are out now. That yeah. group has been annihilated. Really was the group of death. I think with the Euros as well, you think about it a little bit more because of those third place teams going through as well. So there is going to be some, and and to undermine my own argument, Portugal obviously finished third and won it a few years in 2016. But it does mean some, in inverted commas, weaker sides are going to get through. So you're looking at when you could maybe be playing the the weakest third place teams, which I, and I know that depends on the the order and which they fall as well. But the Euros does lend itself to looking at the Euros in its current format. Anyway, it lends itself to looking at that route to the final a little bit mm. more. I think it, you just get yeah. I think everyone's just been so engaged in in with the whole thing where you do just start analyzing everything i mean we were sitting on and, and craig was telling us about all the implications so if group you know the person third in this group would play the second in that group and then we were like we were almost um previewing games that hadn't even been confirmed yet because uh, you just take every last minute of it in don't you yeah but what, it, what is good is that he didn't that he stuck to his guns and didn't um, subscribe to any of this rubbish of trying to finish second in your group and try and uh yeah well that worked in 2018 to be fair <laughs> yeah well it, it did yeah but it, yeah, I think you know. I mean, and we're only saying that as well because we beat Germany. Do you know what I mean? We might we might have been one of the other teams who were played, but uh, it was good that he'd done that. And it, it's um, just to to reiterate as well how wrong I was that in the very first uh, England pod that we did, I said, um, "Let's all face the fact that England aren't going to keep clean sheets in this tournament, and we <laughs> That's should." What we just, all said though, isn't we it? We should just go on the front foot and just try and outscore teams. So it's good to know that the manager's done the exact opposite of what I was suggesting um, and probably like you say the opposite of what most people were suggesting he's got some uh, he's got some nuts on him Gareth hasn't he yeah and it was and on the keeping clean sheets thing even though we know players like Harry Maguire and John Stones and Kyle Walker are good players and they play for you know Manchester Manchester City Manchester United 
there's still like uh, players like Maguire and, and, and Stones, especially, they have shown that they've got mistakes in them at times. But like a lot of players, and you can very much put Jordan Pickford into this category, don't really tend to let England down, do they? And, and Pickford did quietly have a bit of a better season towards the end for, for Everton. And Ancelotti did seem to settle them down a little bit. But since when he is... Grew, since he grew his charm hair cut out. Yeah, exactly. Which I think looks good as well, to be fair. I think he suits it rather than the, the shaved down look. But they don't let England down, do they? And may, I don't know, maybe this generation of England players are becoming like, there's a lot of like David Healy's in there who like well, exist solely for their we're all waiting. Team. We're all waiting. We're all saying that about Pickford and we're waiting for one of us to <coughs> take credit for jinxing the whole thing. Um, <laughs> but actually, it's, it's, it's a good point, actually, because what I did notice, so obviously there was there was a lot of uproar or, or disappointment when, when people looked at the team selection and came across very negative matching them up, um, three central defenders and two Hall of midfielders. Uh, a lot of people were talking about it. And I actually thought when I looked at the, the back, I guess the back six, mm-hmm. um, I thought, you know, with the exception of Luke Shaw, that's the same guys who played in the World Cup final three years mm-hmm. ago. So there's something to be said, actually, that we, we're suggesting that England aren't great defensively, but that group of players know how to play together. And yeah. generally... They defended quite well in that in that World Cup, and it's not like they conceded loads of goals. No, and they were quite swashbuckling and, and quite attacking. People say it was only Panama, but you've still put six past them in that game. The Colombia game was quite blood and thunder. If you look back to that, Sweden was quite just a comfortable business like two 0 But I would say England were more looked more attacking than they have done in in this tournament and with those fullbacks as well likes of Trippier and Shaw they will push you forward Calvin Phillips even I think he's getting pigeonholed a bit unfairly as a totally defensive player he'll get up and down we we saw that for the the goal against Croatia in the opening Mm. game Declan Rice obviously more of a defensive minded player but for him I thought he grew into the game I thought he was shaky first half but and I was kind of advocating maybe taking him off at half time but I thought Definitely. second half he, re- he really grew into it it was a really mature performance because I was exactly the same and everybody I was watching with was exactly the same so you've got to take him off now mm-hmm. Phillips got booked as well but Rice is kind of the one where you think yeah, is there a mistimed tackle in in him? Perhaps, but it was a really mature performance to to to, to get through. That wasn't it? and not being revisionist. After ten minutes, I was slagging off the setup of the team. I thought, oh yeah, I thought we were. You know, Germany took control, and I think they were always going to come out and try and control the opening stages. But you obviously live the game second by second, don't you? And um, it did look like we were just inviting them onto us, and we didn't really seem to have an out ball. It was very much a throwback to the England of all the way you thought. They put all the pressure on, and all we try to do is just hit the channels and hope Sterling or Saka can mm-hmm. keep all of the ball and allow us to drag up, which is not really a very uh, civilised way of playing football, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. And I think they just they did look a bit nervous in the opening 10, 15 minutes as well, and they looked like they just needed to settle into the game and sort of kind of black blank out the occasion so to speak there was a lot of like sloppy passing and they did look a bit just like I say like quite nervous but as soon as that settled down the exception of, of maybe Kai Havertz who did cause some problems and obviously Werner had the, the chance in the first half as well Germany didn't really threaten with a serious chance I know Havertz had the one that was tipped over the bar but he 
kind of, that would have been a wonder goal yeah. to an extent if that went in. And then they didn't really have a clear chance, unless I'm forgetting one, until Muller went through, by which time England were 1-0 up anyway. So that would have just been forcing extra time. There was never a period once England settled into the game where Germany were on top. And that is testament to Southgate. And that's testament to that system that had allowed you to control the game to such an extent that once Germany were a bit fatigued, a bit tired and pegged back a little bit, you could then make your changes, which obviously massively impacted the game because Grealish comes on and, and mm. makes an assist and Germany couldn't handle him. Yeah, and, and again, you know, ballsy from Southgate to put Saka back in. I, I had a feeling that he would. Um, I had a feeling that he would because um, because of the impact he could have in, in behind and the, way, and, mm-hmm. and the fact you're playing against somebody with... With three at the back, um, but it still took a lot of bravery for him to do it when you've got people like you know Phil Forden, Sancho, yeah. Rashford even yeah, yeah. on the bench. Um, and Rashford as well, a player he, he likes as well, mm. and who, again, he falls into that bracket of not letting uh, yeah, them down. Yeah, and, and arguably could do the same job you're asking Saka to yeah. do. Yeah, which definitely. Is a, which is a big thing, more big game experience. So he's he's making it, he's, he's made this, these decisions right across the team, and we'll get on to what we think it means for going forward in the tournament because he's been quite clever really in what he's done. But did you feel before this game that, like, were you more nervous for this than you were for the semi-final of the World Cup? No, I'd probably say no. more nervous for the semi-final. Cause just because for the semi-final, everything builds up, doesn't it? Like, And you've got that momentum. But as a, as a fan, even at that stage, and you've had the highs of winning the quarterfinal, you've had that belief injected from, like, when from the penalties win over Colombia. So everything was building for the semi-final. Whereas with this, it has been a bit more, a bit more meticulous, a bit more of a process. And I think now that we've had that high of beating Germany, this is where the nerves kick in because you've now got Ukraine and then either Czech Republic or Denmark, who, you know, are are, are all decent sides with merit. You don't get in the last day if you don't have something about you. But now you've you've got that real test out of the way and you've uh, a sort of monkey off the back by beating mm-hmm. Germany in, in a tournament as well. So I think it's now where the nerves kick in. It was oddly, I think I just felt confident actually as much as anything. I thought England would do the job. I, I didn't rate I, I did, Germany much going into the tournament. And then... I did, but I didn't want to admit that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote them off before the tournament yeah. started. I, I, I genuinely thought Germany would go out in the group and not to like diminish the achievement, the R side, obviously in transition and Yogi Love had already said he was leaving before the start of the tournament. But I just think when you look at them both on paper, England are strong, are stronger. And usually that isn't the case. Is it's it like midf- the midfield area is the one area that I was a yeah, bit yeah, about. a bit more balanced. Yeah. yeah. But then proved him right to go to the back three, didn't it? Give that a little yeah. bit more control. And I, and, I, and, and I think, you know, it's just the, the, the sort of game management of the whole thing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and Phillips and Rice just sort of beat their midfielders into submission, didn't they? Yeah. Where they got the f- point where got the point where they're like, well, we just can't break this team down. We're just not going to break them down. And then they start to retire. And then it was like you say, I mean, a lot of people are putting the substitution of Grealish on on Southgate and saying that was the exact plan. I don't know if you can be that accurate. Where you got to guarantee that it's going to be nil nil <laughs> up until like seventy five minutes, and then saying no, it'll be nil nil, and he'll come on and change the game. But generally speaking, that was kind of the idea. You, you, you get the impression, don't you, that it yeah. was the idea to sort of just you know, to just 
beat their motivation out of them almost. Yeah, and, and it was it'll have been one of many legs. plans mm. as well, Warner. To be fair, and even if it was your one nil down, bringing Grealish on at that point still works because he's still running at a tired defence, which Sterling and, and Saka have done a lot of work on wearing those defenders out as well. And, you know, wh- whatever the score is, it would probably have made sense to bring on Grealish, even if you're 1-0 up, actually, because he'll then draw fouls for you and he'll, he'll keep the ball up in that final third and, and kill minutes that way, won't he? Mm, definitely. And I think what's led England down over the years has been the manager who could have that game management and that's why, mm-hmm. you know... When people put Southgate's record, uh, managerial record up in Middlesbrough and stuff, like it's just not, it's not what it, it's not what tournament football is. Yeah. And England have always, always underachieved. I don't care what people say. We're a nation of chokers, and mm-hmm. you, you listen to other managers who've had them who say, you know, England just sweep everybody aside in qualifying for a tournament. Some often some good teams as well, and beat them home and away and look comfortable. And they just have this mental freeze when they get to a a tournament and re- results reflect that like 2010 mm-hmm. I know like a lot of people have put on Fabio Capello the environment he set up and stuff but it shouldn't make that much difference it should be drawn with the USA and drawn with Algeria especially I given mean, USA like have had foot- some decent teams by the way but at that point yeah. you know what I mean like, it, it was far we had a we had a better team and we shouldn't have been drawn that game we've we've drawn you know with Slovakia in the group stages of the European mm-hmm. Championships and what he's managed to do is just is just um introduce that game management and have it so the players can focus on that game um, specifically and, and get through it, which seems like a simple thing to say. But for a number of reasons, managers haven't been able to do it previously. No, they haven't. And, you know, you can look at the things like playing Wayne Rooney in midfield because he's this talismanic player who he's just still relying on to do something. And then, You've got the overthinking things like Harry Kane taking corners. There's there's not the sort of square pegs in in round holes like that. There's no like Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard in the midfield too, because you've got to get both in the side. You know, look at the fact that he's playing players like Rice and Phillips there who know how to do that role and know how to do it well. And the fact that actually he's started Phil Foden at the beginning of the tournament, who's had an amazing season, who we all wanted to see start, but he's not been scared to rotate him out. Out. for a young inexper- fairly inexperienced player like Saka as well and it's worked Foden didn't even get on the pitch against Germany which you know is pretty nuts really when you when you think about the season that he's had but it just it does just it is testament to that not overthinking it not putting the square pegs in the round holes and then the game management like you say as well Stephen and it's not usually what England do no, definitely not. And I think um, what was good as well is um, that he didn't have to use all of the subs as well. So mm-hmm. look at people like Rashford and Ford and stuff, and if it just wasn't the game for them, he's not trying to shoehorn them into it as well. Yeah, which I was really impressed with. Um, but the the how long did it take to come down from the whole thing? Like the next day, I think I watched the highlights about ten times. Yeah, all the all the fan park videos of both English ones and German ones have been uh, very entertaining. There's like the amount of different ones that keep popping up of German fan parks are really really funny. Like if only the Germans had a had a word for uh, enjoying uh, seeing that misfortune of others. Um, but the, the fact that England fans celebrating in the German fan parks as well is uh, quite ballsy, but quite funny. But it is one of those games where you just can't get enough of not just the highlights but people who've like filmed the celebrations on their phone in in Wembley themselves and those videos of fan parks and 
that's that's what you want, and that keeps your excitement going, doesn't it, for, for the next game? And you just you just want more of it, don't you? The Wise Men Say podcast is brought to you in association with From the Terraces. For a ten percent discount, enter the code WMS10 at the checkout stage. While you do that, check out the From the Terraces podcast presented by Rory Fallow and Matthew Keeling. Sweatshirts, t-shirts. For more information, search for From the Terraces on social media. Next up for. England then is the Ukraine. Um, a lot of people were fancying Ukraine at the start of the tournament. They were one of the dark horses alongside Turkey, weren't they? Who, who of course, <laughs> like nothing for me. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, but it hasn't quite worked out for them. Three points. The only team to get through with three points, I think. Um, yes. But and a few people have said it. Uh, the other night will count for nothing if if they don't turn up. Oh no, absolutely not. And. <sighs> That this this is why, and I trust Southgate on this. To be fair, to be quite professional, I'm sure they enjoyed the night on on Tuesday and had some, you know, maybe had a beer and, and celebrated that a bit. But you get the impression it would have been very much back to work on on Wednesday and preparing for the next game, especially given that you know the opponent straight away as well. But I don't know what you think, honestly, Stephen. But I think it'll. Have, taken quite a bit out of Ukraine not just the cliche of having to go through extra time but you know there was a lot of it was very bitty it was very stop start a lot of fouls in that game and you know quarterfinal it's 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 they're a little bit without hair ruffling them too much they're in a bit of anything's a bonus from here Ukraine aren't they no I agree I think that's um you know they will be absolutely delighted with that before wouldn't they um, and you know, yeah, you do get the feeling. So, like when we played Sweden at the World Cup, for example, like three years ago, um, they've kind of been at quarter final levels before and semi final levels before, and they did have that little bit more experience, mm-hmm. didn't you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was really confident in that Sweden quarter final as well. I never felt under threat, and I kind of feel the same about this. Yeah. I guess one of the only factors you could say would be that they're not. At Wembley anymore, but that shouldn't matter. It shouldn't really? matter too much. No, um, we've touched on this on the from the terraces pod as well, talking about will that be an impact. But it's not like it's going to be a home game for Ukraine, so it's not like it's going to be a hostile atmosphere for England. If anything, it's going to be a bit of a neutral atmosphere, given that it's tough for England fans to to travel over there because um, at least not on the not on the green list, is it? Obviously, yeah. you'll have you'll have some they might, they might get behind, They might get behind the underdogs, though. The yeah, well, there. that's yeah. We said that on on FTT mm. as well. It, it could be a bit of that, but that's not massively hostile. And, the, and these are big players as well who are used to more hostile atmospheres than that. So. Whilst it won't there won't be like a twelfth man element or anything like that, I don't think it, it should be too detrimental, especially when in you know you've got the carrot of win this and then you've got mm-hmm. semi final back on home turf with a bigger crowd as well. It's sixty thousand for the yeah. semi final, isn't it? And that's going to be unreal because that forty thousand inside that ground, like it seemed amazing. I was oh, really good. jealous of anybody who was there. That's just something they're just never going to forget for their lives. Yeah. But you know, just to reiterate, it's, it's important that they win the quarterfinals because you know that will be forget. I remember we beat Germany in the group stages of the Euro two thousand, mm-hmm. and the country were ecstatic at the time with that because mm-hmm. they lost the first game to Portugal, a really good Portugal team, but they went two 0 up on Keegan's tactical naivety <laughs> meant we ended up not being able to shut up shop and just <laughs> kept attacking them and then ended up losing 3-2 um, but then we beat Germany next game and, and everybody was on a massive high because it was four years after Euro 96 it was getting yeah. your revenge on Germany 
but that result's kind of forgotten about now because oh, yeah, we lost absolutely. the next game and didn't get out the group. So, yeah. you know, or suddenly it's just irrelevant. So while I think people still will remember the Germany result, if we lose to the Ukraine, that, Ukraine, that's the new narrative for this tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, losing to a team that you should be beating um, and thinking like, what if? And then it's almost like irrelevant. You, you don't beat Germany because that's when people start saying, oh, well, Germany will crap as well anyway and they were at home, England and all this negativity would come back and stuff like that. But, I think it will be fascinating to see the the team selection because I think he's 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 almost like planned for it. He can pick an entirely different team. There's going to be the challenges are going to be totally different from what we're going to have what we had against Germany. Now, can you see he's going to go back four, isn't he? Uh, I think so. Like given that he went back four for the three group games, yeah. I don't see it's similar opposition. Yeah, he didn't deem Croatia. Sort of good enough, almost, if you mm. like, to, to to have to go at the back. Now, no, no, it's not necessarily. Oh, you're just playing a back three against the better teams. It was, it was very specifically matching Germany up and stuff, wasn't it? But he did that in the World Cup in 2018 because he didn't think the squad was that good, and he thought the best he would get out of that squad would be to play in that way. And he, if he didn't deem Croatia worthy of doing it, I can't say with respect again that he's gonna. No. He's going to do the same for Ukraine. And would you just say Trippi would come out, you would have thought, and Walker would go back to... Yeah, that seems the obvious one, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Trippi are out and then... But it'd be interesting to see who he brings in for him. Does he maybe start Grealish and then maybe put Sterling at number 10, maybe? That's the thing. I, I, it's, I it is a headache, brave, isn't I wonder it? how brave he's going to be because he must be tempted to rest Sterling, you know. Mm. Oh, but... mm. It's a brave... It's a brave. <laughs> Incredibly brave, you know, resting your top your top scorer. But in this game, like so, Sterling, like getting in behind teams, and and and, and that's why Saka played. I don't think Saka will play. I don't think that. I think he might be, rotate Saka out as well. I think yeah, that I, I don't great. think that needs to be the system. It needs to be back to players who can break teams down. Mm-hmm. Grealish, Foden, these are the kind of people now where you're thinking, you know, Foden's had a couple of games rest. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be raring a goal, yeah, won't he? Yeah, and um, it'd be fascinating to see for that. And, you know, Rice or Phillips, does he think, I can bring one of them out and put Henderson in? Or again, has that just been too brave? It's been too, I don't want to say complacent, because Henderson's bloody Liverpool's captain and a Champions League winner. And the other, as everybody knows, we, we think highly of him. But you don't want to break up a midfield partnership that are no, but, he, well but he, he did drop Tyrone Mings after some good performances as as well to bring Harry Maguire back in. I'd say it's probably a bit similar, him dropping one of Rice or Phillips to bring Henderson in, especially in terms, you know, Henderson after Kane is, is the captain, isn't he? And he's still arguably, even though he doesn't wear the armband, he's still arguably the biggest leader in the team as well. And I think if Henderson, as soon as Henderson is fully fit, if he is ever deemed fully fit for this tournament, he will start him and maybe an opportunity to just rotate one of them out as well. They've both got a button, so I it's, imagine yeah, the yellow if they've got a button here, on. yeah, exactly. It's just an opportunity to get past that because I imagine they'll be, there must be an amnesty coming up for the bookings. No, well, in recent tournaments, they've been resetted after the semi-final, haven't it? Which is quite soft in a way, isn't it? Because the Dortmund yeah. players didn't miss in the final, but that's what they've done the last couple of tournaments, I think. Right. But it would still be a brave decision, though. Like, it's still, oh, yeah. you know, because if it goes, and it shouldn't go wrong, that's the thing, that we're back to, like, almost, like, doubting ourselves and being cautious of ourselves. That should, that should, 
putting Jordan Henderson for one of those two, I, I'm thinking Rice would be the one who would make way. He was he yeah. was cramping up and everything at the end of the game. That's wasn't it, it? As, as well. Is is there maybe a mm. bit of just needing to be rested as well with them? And there's you know there's even Mason Mount is an option to come back in now yeah. after having to isolate and yeah. it was maybe a bit too soon for him on on Tuesday. But but now with you know a little bit more distance there, a little bit more time back on the training pitch, he might be ready to go as well. And I thought he was all right in in the group stage. To be fair, not outstanding but he was making decent runs. He was playing some nice balls. He was getting Sterling in behind a couple of times. So I think he's oddly became a bit forgotten because of that time he's had to have I think, out. But... I think he will bring Mountain in. I think he'll have two sitting and he'll have Mountain in front of him. Yeah. Um, the decision he's got is who who flanks Kane, isn't it? And he's got... I mean, we'll, we'll, right, we'll get to that now. now. Um, if he had to stick his neck out, who do you think he's going to... Who do you think he's going to play either side of Kane? Because I... You know, it is a possibility, we think, and I, I yeah. think he'll bring Mount back in personally, although he could put Grealish there or Foden in that position. Mm-hmm. I'd be surprised. I think I think I think Mount will play. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I agree. I think he'll go with Mount. I think he'll he'll start Sterling. The the, the momentum Sterling's got and I just don't think there's any need to rest him. And it's I do think Saka will come out. I think you made a good point on Ford and the fact that he's been rested and, and might be raring to go. And I wonder if he likes Grealish off the bench. No, I think he definitely does as well. I know he started against in Czech Republic, but I quite like him off the bench. Yeah, as well. I do. And you know, in modern football, you need to look at that differently, don't you? That used to be kind of like, oh, he's only deemed good enough to be sub, and it's not like that anymore. Yeah. It's for the, the, the for the approach and the philosophies to to substitute has changed, especially now you can make five, and they call them you know game finishes now, don't they? And you yeah. bring, you know the game is ninety minutes, and it's not about when you come up, it's not about which part you play. I think you're right. I think when the game is stretched and it's slowed down, it's ideal for somebody like Grealish because he's so comfortable mm-hmm. on the ball and he will draw fouls and he will draw tired players to foul him and he'll pull players out of position. And I, I just, yeah, almost like keeping him on his toes as well. Yeah. I, think, and, you know, I, I think he will do that personally. It I, gives I, the crowd a lift as, as well, which I know isn't... Th- isn't necessarily going to be there for for this game, but you heard the reaction when he was getting ready to come on. And even anecdotally from what people have said, like watching in pubs and stuff. So the players are going to have a sense of that as well. It's got to lift them when they see him coming on as well, because apparently he's really popular behind the scenes, isn't he Grealish? So when they see him coming on as well, they know what he's about. And the fact that, Let's be honest, Ukraine are going to dig in here and make it difficult and frustrating them. They're not going to play massively open and, and go for this. So if when they're tiring a bit psychologically as as well as physically, Grealish is then coming on to, to get those fouls against tired players or, you know, to turn them inside out and stuff like that. That's what you want. Um I wouldn't be surprised if he merely brought Foden back in though to, to answer your question. And then you've got Grealish off the bench for either him or, or Sterling, depending on how the game's going. And you could actually see the the team from potentially the, the opening game of the of the tournament against Croatia, I guess, with uh, I, exception I, of Mings not yeah, in there. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, Mings, uh, for Maguire and for Mings, and yeah. uh, Shaw will be left back instead of Trippier. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Um, I think he probably will. I don't think he will bring Henderson in, but I, I, it might be a smart idea for him to do it in terms of what you said with the yellow card, just to give Rice a rest yeah. and and then to revert back to Rice and Phillips for the 
semi-final should we hopefully get there mm-hmm. um, just lastly then I think we're in agreement that we will probably think Foden and Sterling will, will flank Harry Kane uh, I was surprised um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin wasn't on the bench against Germany if anything just as a plan B and you're losing the game and you're throwing the ball into the box in the last few yeah. minutes he can take a penalty as well mm-hmm. um, so you know I, I was surprised I think I think he needs to be on the bench because again and, you know, we said against Scotland <laughs> before the Scotland game, his plan would be to race away and it will lead and make some subs. Now, that never happened. And it might not happen again at the weekend. I'm not being arrogant. <laughs> um, but if it does, and he's in a position after an hour where he thinks I, I could give Harry Kane half an hour rest here. Yeah. Uh, and you would want a focal point up there, wouldn't you? And there's nobody else. Yeah, but he, he likes Rashford as well. He did bring Rashford on for Kane in the... Was, was it the Scotland game way? Way I made like Rashford, but as a wide left player, I, I, I prefer him yeah. as, as a wide player. But I just think he does clearly trust him to to do that. I agree that Calvert Lewin's a bit more of a, of a focal point for that. But in terms of taking a penalty, Rashford's not a terrible penalty no, taker no, either. No, no, to be no. to be fair to him, um, so there there is that. But I, I would rather have him on the bench because he's, he's he's just a different option to Rashford as much as anything, isn't there? And it's a stupid rule that you've got to have two goalkeepers on your bench, which takes up space. But <laughs> does he maybe need as, as many defensive options as, as he's got on there. Probably not. Mm. I think I think he could make make a bit of room for Dominic Calvert Lewin, especially after the season he's had as well. It does seem a bit, you know, mm. harsh that he's not involved as much. It's maybe similar to the Sancho debate as well, who's, who's one we didn't even mention there exactly. after all the debate that's uh, gone on around him. And, and you know, and but now he's, got, he's moved to Man United, maybe guys Southgate knows he exists. Well, yeah, but it, it just shows if it works, it's the right thing to do as well. Take the cautious approach where you think, no, will will be hard to beat firstly because that's what wins tournament footballs. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and the results back that up. You know, you look at the teams in the group with the exception of Italy, most of those teams where people were raving over have gone out. Yeah. Um, you know, France, obviously, and, and Holland are the two that, you know, people were falling over in the group stages and they've both gone out. Um, and it, it makes you think he's onto something where you think, no, it'd be hard to be firstly. But when we need to freshen it up, we've got so many options for those yeah. forward players that when we get a chance, we're going to take it. Um, Absolutely. Hmm, yeah, it's an interesting one. What's your... What's your What's your thoughts? And we'll just go out on what you think is going to happen because you know, England fans get accused of being arrogant if you if you if you stare as if they're going to win a game. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to echo the same prediction I made on F- FTT when we recorded okay. that last night, which was just. I think it's going to be similar to that Sweden game in the World Cup. I think just a standard, no nonsense, two 0 done in ninety minutes. Let's get back to Wembley. Oh, I agree. I agree. Okay. Well, yeah. This is England after all, so horribly <laughs> wrong. But uh, hopefully you enjoy the game Saturday. And uh, if we're still in it, we'll be back after that to uh, preview a glorious semi-final at Wembley because it's coming home. Thanks for listening. <laughs>